Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia-Pacific is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature prominent industry voices, thought-provoking commentary on news, current affairs, and the latest technologies, while connecting you to companies and innovative thinkers who are transforming supply chains in our region and across the world. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas only on Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia-Pacific. Welcome to the final episodes of our 10-week series for Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia-Pacific. My name is Jonathan Kempe. It's great to be with you once again. I just wanted to apologize for the brief break between the last episodes and these ones. I like to be consistent in delivering various things, and we've done that over this series, but these last two episodes will be formed together. And just to let people know as well, these will be my final episodes for Let's Talk Supply Chain. So in this episode, I'll be going through a bunch of different things that I've observed in supply chains, and hopefully they'll be useful observations for you to think about as you think about your journey into supply chains and beyond. So I wanted to start by sharing some thoughts and observations that I've gleaned over the years of being involved in supply chains, and these are broken up into various different categories. To start with, I want to talk about people, and then I'll talk about technology, I'll talk about learning and education and the application of those things inside supply chains. Then I want to just finish with some general observations about the industry writ large. So if you're interested in any of those topics, uh, feel free to continue listening along. I'll be referencing a few different things as I go, which you may have seen or been a part of or heard about. And I'll be talking from a personal perspective about things that I've observed and learned as I've gone through my journey in supply chains. So to start with, my journey started off a number of years ago, probably probably five or six really, so not many in totality, but was spawned out of an interest in how technology and supply chains converged. And at that point, there was an intense interest all around the world for working out and, and an accelerated fashion of how technology would work or be integrated into supply chains. And, and that is everything from logistics through to documentation, through to online platforms. And across that time, I had a systems administrator background for some, for, for many years prior. I've been involved in a bunch of different projects. But as I approached supply chains, I was really interested to note that a feature inside supply chains would seem to be uh, often overlooked or hadn't reached a degree of maturity in integration was technology. There were smatterings here and there and people had used online platforms for various things. And But these were the days when the likes of Flexboard and others who are now headline grabbers weren't as prominent as they, uh, as they are now. So as I started off in supply chains from a technology background, I was quite interested to see that there was a bit of a disconnect about what was mature in other domains versus what was present inside supply chains and logistics providers and companies associated with moving freight around the world. There, there was an inclination towards it, and some of the larger freight forwarders had had technology platforms for some time, but the degree of sophistication that you saw elsewhere wasn't really present inside supply chains. And But my first topic of conversa- conversation isn't technology, it's actually about people. And that's because I've come to observe over many years of looking at this at a very high level Uh, and in very high-profile sense in many ways, but also getting involved in the day-to-day running a technology company that was building supply chain hardware and software solutions. 
that people are the most important asset inside a supply chain. And that's a truism. It's people would readily agree to that. However, if you think about it, and if you think about it in terms of what you may have been involved in in supply chains yourself, it's actually more true uh, than you would first realize if you were new to the domain. But secondly, it's important and critical to understand that as you look at supply chains through the lens of what you're trying to do with them. Uh, and so when I approached supply chains and I, I looked at it through a technology lens, I quickly overlooked or was more ready to overlook the necessity for people than I might have been otherwise. And if people come in and they've got an accounting background, they tend to see what's in front of them in terms of perhaps numbers, charts, and performance. If there's a banking or finance background, they look at the, the financial data or the tracking or transaction data. You tend to miss the importance or criticality of people because you're looking at it through your individual lens. So that was true for me. My lens was technology. And as I looked at supply chains, I realized that I was overlooking from time to time the necessity of what people were doing to make supply chains function. This is a pretty common problem. When you have technology providers who look at any given domain, any different sphere or vertical or any functioning system, they tend to use an overly complicated approach when they start that isn't in tune with what is exactly happening inside that specific area or domain. And so for technology, it's very easy because you look at supply chains as a as the movement of goods from A to B, and you forget that that movement of goods is facilitated at each step by a person. Someone is moving that physical box onto a truck. A truck driver is driving that truck along a road. That road connects to a port, which is manned by people. That port has machines that move cranes, and those cranes need to be pulled by people who have arms. That box gets loaded onto a ship, and as it moves, etc., etc., you you end up seeing, and sometimes not seeing if you don't observe them, but you end up seeing that people are the ones doing the transformative work. And the, the reason I mention that before I mention technology and go more in depth into technology is that if you're involved in supply chains now or you're considering joining a supply chain community or participating in a supply chain workforce, Start with your lens being dominated by people, what people do, how people act, what sorts of things people need to make their lives easier or better. And the reason I mention that is it's very easy to overlook that and build a solution or build a series of solutions or make assumptions that don't fit the environment. Like one example is most people think when they do logistics planning or they do logistics technology rollouts, that the people involved, let's just pick on one person in particular, a truck driver, has all the time in the world to learn something new. They also are able to use their hands in an unfettered fashion whenever they're driving or involved in loading or those sorts of things. They, they think they're carrying a sophisticated smartphone. And what you find when you, when you dig down into any of the details inside a supply chain, and it doesn't matter if it's in the first world, in the developing world, in a country that has access to amazing technology or one that is struggling and, and trying to adapt to the going environment but doesn't have access to all these new fancy things, you find that the context and the people inside that context are more important than the, the technology itself. So a truck driver might be wearing gloves for most of his time that he's driving. The trucking personnel who is supporting that truck driver might not be able to contact them via phone. The woman who's 
barreled along at speed across the country just to complete a job so that they can feed their family is finding it difficult to communicate to a dispatch office that's using an overly fancy system when all she wants to do is complete her trucking job to get back to those that she loves. When you think of those things and you're building something that takes up too much time or is too resource intensive or involves someone making an outrageous purchase to start with on a smartphone which has a certain app on it and so on, all of those things are impediments to those people doing their job properly. And what you generally find and what happens in a very, very common scenario is that people don't want to adapt or adopt what you've proposed. And it's fundamentally because you haven't taken the time to understand what those people need and how they operate. And I would just add that when it comes to anything that you're trying to deploy, if you have an intimate understanding and empathy towards the operators, you generally get a larger degree of traction and then they fall in love with what you've built because it's augmenting, it's assisting them in their day-to-day role. So my first observation is about people. And I wanted to just also warmly add that the supply chain community as a group of people across the world is rather phenomenal. It's very collegiate. It's very friendly. I've learned so much from so many different people, gifted practitioners who've been very gracious with their time, effort, and energy, and taught me many, many things. And so the people inside supply chains that make things work, the practitioners who want to share their knowledge inside supply chains, make supply chains as a discipline, as a domain, incredibly attractive to be a part of, and a very interesting and fascinating community to contribute to. So if you're considering jumping into supply chains, I'd say look at people as an asset. And if you're building for supply chains, remember, that people are very, very important. And that brings me to technology. I mentioned at the start that technology and integration of technology isn't always and hasn't always been completed with the same degree of maturity or detail as you'd see elsewhere. An, an example, one, one example of many is payments processing. Payments processing for many inside supply chains is slow and laborious. In some parts of the world, they still use checks or they do manual payments Sometimes people have to go to a specific office to get their payments processed. And and so when it's very common in in other areas or other market segments to use your phone and tap and go and and use NFC for payments or to receive things electronically or, or when things get transmitted, you know they've been transmitted or received. It's very tricky when you get into supply chains, you realize a lot of the payments processing can be quite backwards. It can be difficult or it can be more overly complicated than it needs to be. And when you go through that, you think, oh, you know, a solution would be just to integrate some sort of payments technology into what you're doing. And a bunch of them have been proposed across the years, and some of them have some degree of merit. Some of them don't acknowledge the domain's complexities, and others don't involve all the players. But an example of of technology integration is very pronounced. It's very easy to see that payments technologies inside supply chains need to evolve. And and that comes in many different forms, including trade finance and some of the back-end payments that happen to facilitate cargo as it moves across the world. But that's just one example of many of where technological integration needs to advance inside supply chains. And there's lots of opportunities inside supply chains for that to work. But again, you need to have a detailed understanding of what happens when something moves the inclination of those people involved in the supply chain to use a technology in order to move something, and also what it disrupts. What I found time and again with technology is that it proposes something that some people don't want to have moved or changed or altered. 
and in many cases, and transparency and visibility are really big on this list, a lot of folk have a vested interest in things not being transparent or not being visible. I was involved in the hardware tracking space, and this is very much a part of that space. The ethos behind the groups involved in tracking and visibility is sometimes they want to be opaque. They don't, they don't want things to be brought to light. They don't want you to know where something is because that can be terribly inefficient. I heard a report of a doc in a first world country, a very developed country, a port environment where the dock workers didn't want people to know where their containers were because they made an inordinate amount of money for those containers going round and round in circles inside the port environment. And when you think of that as just one example of many, many examples of where efficiency breeds profitability, and then if you come in with technology, you disrupt that profitability, it's understandable why there would be tension when technology gets rolled out into certain parts of the supply chain. We've just gone through a huge labor dispute in the United States and a core tenant of that labor dispute and labor disputes that have happened in the past is about automation and whether automation is good. Now, there's a bunch of different arguments for and against automation. So sometimes automation can be incredible. You've got robotic machines and you've got different systems that are working and they can work 24-7, they don't need breaks, um, they can perform their function admirably, reduce safety concerns. There's all these arguments that are for automating ports, but there's also arguments against, and the arguments against are somewhat convincing, and sometimes they're actually more convincing than the arguments for. For instance, in some instances, the automation has been cripplingly expensive and poorly rolled out, and then the outcomes have been worse. The port doesn't process as many containers in that sort of degree of throughput, and the port itself ends up being less functional than it was previously. Those examples might be few and far between, but it just reminds me that when you consider technology and rolling out technology into supply chains and into a specific environment like a port, you need to think about all of the variables and not just the one that you're trying to promote. It might be fantastic that you've got automated straddle cranes running around, dropping off containers and picking them up and so on, but is that actually going to drive efficiency gains or is it just going to be expensive and you'll end up spending a huge amount of time, effort and money on something that won't translate into a better result that could have been human-centric instead? And that's just one of many considerations that anyone needs to consider as they think about technology and integrating technology into their environment. And what I generally have found as I've gone into this in quite a degree of detail at a lot of different levels, both locally here in Australia, New Zealand, and also internationally, is that there is generally, and this might appear like a bit of a derogatory statement, but there's generally a lack of thought given to what the technology is trying to do and what it's trying to achieve. The measurable output of what the technology that's being proposed or the system or platform process change or whatever might be occurring, there's very little thought has been given to what, it's, what it means to do that. Most of the time, the thinking centers around being a silver bullet for something that is actually an administrative problem or a management problem or a lack of accountability that should have been fixed with a new process rather than a new shiny gadget. And so when you think about integrating technologies, and I've said this on numerous occasions and I'll continue to say it, is it's much more appropriate to start from a position of knowing intimately what the problem is that you're trying to solve and then match a technology or a system or a platform to solving that specific problem as opposed to being taken by what the shiny pamphlet says it could do only to find out later on that it 
was attempting to explain something that didn't actually meet your brief. And so if you're in a business or you're, you're head of an operation or you're heading up some sort of new process or you're thinking about integrating something into your working environment, spend a disproportionately more time understanding what the problem is and then try and work out how to measure what the integration will do once it hits maturity. I'll put in this platform and I want it to do X and, and X is a profitable outcome for the business or a time-saving initiative that will show measurable results. It's really important to know what the problem is and then secondarily, but of equal importance, it's really important to then measure the output of resolving that problem using that, that new technology or platform or piece of software or hardware. So first people, second technology, and third education. Um, there's a huge amount of resources that you can turn to or use uh, and reference and uh, work through or ask about as it relates to supply chain, supply chain technologies, the integration of supply chains into an operation and so on. Now, there are a number of them online. There's LinkedIn learning courses, which are fantastic. There's resources through Let's Talk Supply Chain that you can use. Um, but one of the ones that I use consistently, which I find most people forget about, is uh, asking other people. <laughs> ask, ask. It seems simple, but ask other people. Ask someone who's been in the industry for a long time that burning question that you've got. Ask them. And I've spent a lot of time online having great debates with some of the industry's most notable luminaries who have been so gracious with their time. Some of them have become dear friends. And it's all because I've asked questions. I ask it respectfully, ask it openly, ask it so that we can collectively learn. And what you find is that you get this incredible, unique education based on what people know, what practitioners know. And I've got a small army of people across the world who are learning as they go and practicing on a daily basis the craft that is supply chain, supply chain management or logistics planners or people involved in shipping and maritime security, a, a whole range of different topics. And I can turn to them and ask them specific questions and they update my knowledge as, as I go. It's, it's very, very helpful to have these people available. And I would say for you, if you're considering how you're being educated, what you're being taught, in particular those listening along who are at university at the moment or discovering a professional career at the early part of their professional career, ask industry insiders for their perspective. I generally have found, almost without exception, I can't even think of someone who's done this. I, I've never come across someone who said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I, I don't want to help you at all. More often than not, they're overly willing to help you and to give you advice or to update your knowledge or to assist with some sort of concept you might be struggling with. So I would say on that front, when it comes to education, put a higher price and, and pursue them uh, firmly, not aggressively, but pursue them with purpose. Pursue industry people and put a higher price on getting knowledge from detailed practitioners who you know and trust. So technology, people, and education. And I just want to make some comments about the industry writ large. And I hope thus far it's been helpful reminders for you as I've talked through these various topics. But just consider that over the last couple of years in particular, consider the velocity at which supply chains have become known in the wider public sphere. We have debates continuously about what happens when something moves or when a boat gets stuck in a canal or or what happens when some disaster occurs and it 
backs up a supply chain or breaks the supply of certain goods. All of the terms that for many, many years were undiscovered, unknown, people didn't think through or didn't know anything about, have all become topic du jour. They've become topics that come up at dinner parties regularly, that hit the headlines regularly. And what that tells you is that the underlying knowledge, the baselines for knowledge about supply chains has increased. People have become more particular about where things are coming from and where things are moving to and how they move and what transportation modes are involved in their movement. They're they're starting to notice shipping containers around. Um, And the conversations I find myself in, I generally find that the general level of knowledge about a supply chain or supply chains globally has increased which is fantastic. It means that you don't have to spend as much time talking or thinking through or trying to conceptualize certain things about supply chains because people have a little bit of an understanding to start with. Um, But that's where it can get a little bit dangerous as well. A little knowledge can be quite, quite dangerous indeed. And what you find is that some people can then make assumptions based on the little that they know, which need to be corrected or changed or altered or updated according to the knowledge that you have. And I would say just be gentle as you go through that process. It's very important to be humble as you walk your way through explaining certain things. But as you do, make sure you give specific insights to those people who are interested to know that inform them and keep that level of information flowing so that their general opinion of what happens is aligned to what is actually happening and also isn't swayed by some things that make their way into popular media and, and other channels which could deviate from what is actually happening behind the scenes. Um, I see this quite regularly on a number of different fronts, but in particular as it comes to supply chain security, an area that I'm very, very interested in. Most of the time people just make assumptions about how something moves, and, and given that it's a big metal box, it must be pretty secure. And a lot of those assumptions are incorrect. One, they haven't been thought through. They haven't thought about the physical security of the thing that they're moving. And secondly, as people debate these sorts of topics, they make assumptions that as something moves and it's on one certain carrier across a large stretch of ocean or, you know, it's moved through some certain mode by one particular, that there's no need to think about security. And so as I talk about supply chain security, in particular maritime supply chain security in the containerized trades, I find that there's a little bit of knowledge there, but after a very short period of time or short conversation, you find that that knowledge starts to fall apart. It starts to run out. And then there are a lot of assumptions get made about what's actually happening. And so I'd say as you think through the industry for yourself as a practitioner, a professional, or as someone who's interested in what the industry represents, and then you think about educating others as you're talking them through various parts of conversation or or if they're interested, if they're a student of yours or you're engaging with them just in a personal capacity, think of things that are really specific, measurable, and graspable to talk about how something moves or how cargo is processed or how logistics function or how technology works inside supply chain and then use relatable, parallel relatable topics that they will understand so that they know exactly what you're talking about. And what I find is when you use those sorts of examples, people can really grasp what is happening in a way which is sticky. They can remember it over a period of time and allows them to communicate that same thing without any bias or without any distortions to somebody else. I do this sort of thing as a service to the industry because I like things to be factual and logical and and make sense, but also because I know that once I inform someone of something, they might turn around and repeat that to somebody else. 
And so sometimes raw data and facts and information can be helpful, but having a story or an analogy is more important. I found this particularly to be true when I've lectured at universities. I get asked on a pretty regular occurrence to lecture at various universities across the world. And when I do, I find the students are really hungry for pertinent examples and stories versus just data or facts or information about supply chain functionality. And I've always found that students lean in when I give them information which is engaging, but also is directly related to their own personal context, telling them a story that talks about a specific consumer brand that they might be interested in, or telling a, a story that relates to, or sharing an analogy that relates to something that they're going through at the moment, and adapting that into their context really helps them to understand. And so just as a general comment about the supply chain industry, which is full of amazing people, and although it's complex, has a bunch of different areas which, you know, through discovery, you'll find to be really, really fascinating. I'd encourage you to keep building your knowledge, but then as you communicate that knowledge, communicate it in a graspable fashion. Don't use too many buzzwords and don't use too much jargon and don't throw out too many acronyms. And as you go, you'll find that people will lean into those conversations. They'll be really interested to know what you do. And then as you update their knowledge, they'll then be able to communicate that to other people as well. Well, I hope you found that helpful to go through those various topics, education, people, technology, and a commentary there at the end about the industry. I know amongst many other topics that I've had the privilege of being able to be involved in that supply chains are one of the most fascinating, so in-depth, so complicated, so many moving parts. And as you look at each of those parts, the more you scratch beneath the surface, the more you realize there are so many things going on. I feel like I could spend my entire life going through supply chains, supply chain technologies and people inside supply chains. And I probably wouldn't learn everything there is to know. It is just such a detailed domain with so many different facets to it that are so interesting and so worth discovering. So I wish you well as you continue your journey through supply chains, whether you're in technology, whether you're working with people, whether you're an industry practitioner, whether you're studying supply chains. I wish you well and I hope that you go about the process of learning further and discovering more through in-depth knowledge expansion by interacting with peers, partners and others in the industry. So thank you for joining me on this technology and supply chain series. It's been a pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you to my guests who joined across the various weeks, Anthony Miller and Monica LaMagic, Eric Johnson and Robert Petty. I had a few other people lined up who unfortunately couldn't make it. I hope you found it informative. And again, if there's anything that you need from me or thoughts or comments you'd like to share, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you as we continue to learn and discover about technology and the integration of technology into supply chains. Music